Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I am doing very well. Our listeners can't see you, but I can because we record this over Skype video and you are today the lady in red. You look stunning, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> How has your week been? Yeah, I've actually been very, very busy. I actually had a few meetings this week and um, meeting up with old clients and prospective clients. And yeah, so it's just been quite a nice, you know, pace again. It's sort of ramming up again with the end of 30 May approaching and some issues relating to contracts expiring and that sort of pressure that a lot of prospective clients have come to me about some of it to the last minute to get proposals. So yeah, it's all been interesting. What about your week? My week has been very good, thank you. We do find, I think, this cycle throughout the year that it's kind of crazy in the lead up to Easter and then we have a bit of a breather after Easter and then we get crazy again leading up to the end of financial year. So I think all businesses feel a bit that way. But we did hear, and I'm not sure if this will be the case when this goes to air, but we did hear on the grapevine that maybe that 30 May date might be extended in New South Wales for agency agreements. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Yeah, well, our SCA president, Chris Duggan, has been talking with the Office of Fair Trading in relation to trying to extend that. So on behalf of the members of SCA, um, that's being advocated through the right channels. So we'll Mm. see. As soon as we hear about that, we will get the word out so that the buildings who are scrambling to have meetings and uh, appoint their new strata managers or reappoint their current strata managers can relax a little bit. Maybe. Yes, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's jump into the week's challenges. Rena. what's been challenging you this week? Well, along the same topic that we just discussed, I've had two prospective clients. One who is actually a community management scheme, so they're not affected by the current strata scheme changes. But um, there's been a committee that's been trying to control things. And in the AGM agenda that they've issued to all the owners, they've asked that all proxies have to be provided to the secretary or the managing agent five days before the meeting that they won't accept any proxies at the meeting. And so what I've advised um, these clients is that that's not the case, that with Community Land Management Act, that doesn't apply. This only applies to strata schemes even, and even that doesn't apply in terms of having five days. Obviously, large schemes, over 100 lots, have a 24-hour provision where they have to have all proxies in 24 hours before the meeting, but that's the latest. So, it's funny how sometimes people can be told things that are totally incorrect and the majority of people actually believe that, that they couldn't have a proxy submitted just before the meeting. So it's a way to disenfranchise people from having their vote heard. So it's quite alarming that a strata managing agent would actually, even though they know that's not correct, and when they were challenged, they said they, they did know, but that was a committee instruction. I think as an agent, one thing that we all have to learn is that you can't give out wrong advice or incorrect advice or even illegal advice just because your client puts pressure on you. Because at the Mm. end of the day, you're the agent, you're the one that's got the 
professional experience and you've got, you know, obviously your PI insurance. So in a sense, you don't want to be sued because you've unfortunately not been strong enough to say no. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's fair enough that owners do rely on the advice that their strata managing agents give them. They're paying them. They see them as the professional and the expert in the area and something like that. It's not a real technical point of law. A strata manager should know what the rules are on when your proxies are in for a community scheme as opposed to a strata scheme, as opposed to a large strata scheme. So that is quite alarming, but lucky that those owners had somewhere or someone yourself to go to and clarify that. And I think that's the key here, um, knowing where those resources are, where to go for good, accurate advice and information. Yeah. Okay. My challenge for this week, Rena, hopefully a quick one. This is one that you already know about because I turned to you for advice. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Proxy forms under the old act. Now, this was a question that one of my members inside the YSP online membership community raised. And the question was, proxy forms completed under the old New South Wales Act that appointed a proxy for a period of 12 months. Is that form still valid under the new act and I sort of could have seen this one both ways so I reached out to you Rena and sought your opinion do you want to share that I mean, you can <laughs> put share you on the spot <laughs> no okay I'll let, I'll let you share it <laughs> So your view was that, yes, those forms are still valid and that's because our new Act basically, in short summary, says that anything that was done under the old Act is still valid under the new Act. Yeah, there's transitional um, provisions. Yes, so there are transitional provisions that cater for that situation. I originally had a different view and you did convince me that your view was correct, but my initial view was that the new Act requires proxy forms to be completed in accordance with the template that's set out in the regulation. And obviously the template that's in the current regulation is not the same as the one that was in the regulation relevant to the old Act. So on a very technical, literal reading of the section, your proxy form does not comply with the template that's in the regulation, so may not be valid. There is a principle of statutory interpretation that provides something along the lines of interpret a section so that it does the least harm. And I think, Rena, your interpretation is sensible and in my view, correct. And until maybe the tribunal takes a view on this, that shall be my position also. (laughs) Yeah, I think the reason that I I said that is because it's about not disenfranchising people from voting. So with the new act, they're giving you, because of the proxy limitations, that alternate form has been established to allow, if one person's already got one, you can give it to somebody else. But under the old act, you can only give it to one person. So I suppose in the event that the proxy bearer is only has been only given one proxy and that person doesn't have any other proxies, then that would then allow that person to vote on behalf of that lot owner. So I think then that's how I've interpreted it anyway. So Yeah, I think you're right. And no doubt that's how most managers are approaching it. We'd love to hear from listeners if they've had a different experience or have a different view. All right. What's been going well this week, Rena? What is your win on the board? Well, one of the wins that I've had this week is from an old client, again, who needed some help. And the question relates to who's entitled to see the records of the owner's corporation. So in this particular scheme, the committee went out to tender for a new strata manager and for a new building manager. And this owner 
who had been on the committee in previous years, wanted to have a look at the tenders that had been received in order to be able to, to compare what the committee had seen and therefore the decision-making process as to why they had put forward the particular ones on the EGM agenda. And so instead of saying, well, you need to do a search, which is really the correct thing to say, the secretary of this particular owner's corporation who's you know got his own email address for the building and pretty much running it the way that he wants to, um, said to the owner, well, no, I'm sorry, you can't look at it. It's commercial and confidence information. And I said, well, that's not correct, that any lot owner is entitled to inspect the records at the manager's office or wherever the records may be kept. If In this particular case, some are kept on site and some are kept at the manager's office. And so basically, I was happy that at least when I gave him that advice and, and he went back to the secretary, the secretary had to concede that, yeah, he was legally allowed to look at the records. So I think for our listeners out there and, and for managers, in a sense, anything that you can restrict perhaps is, is privileged information if there's a legal case going on. But apart from that, whatever the records are that the Arts Corporation must keep, those records can be inspected by the lot owner or anyone that they authorise to inspect those records on their behalf. Yes, this is a question that I see come up time and time again. And unfortunately, I see um, bad, wrong advice given to committee members and to lot owners as to what they can and can't inspect in books and records. Um, I have actually spoken about this on the podcast before and if you check out episode 30, which is titled How Private Are Owners' Personal Details When It Comes to Strata Books and Records, that specifically goes to a situation where a lot owner wants to inspect the books and records of the owners' corporation and the committee or the strata manager has said, well, there are certain things in these records that you're not entitled to see. And nine times out of 10, that's wrong. And lot owners are entitled to the books and records as they are listed in the Strata Schemes Management Act. And that's really everything, everything that's held by the strata manager or correspondence, the full strata role, contact details of other lot owners as they are recorded on the strata role. And as you said, Drina, unless it is legally privileged, so if you are in a legal dispute with the owners corporation, then there's not much that can be withheld. I think yeah, you're correct, Amanda. The strata role is statutory record that's kept by the owners corporation which contains certain information but there are things that a managing agent collects that really aren't required under the act such as a person's telephone number their mobile number i mean previously in terms of email addresses unless there was a bylaw allowing minutes to be emailed then really an email address should not have been kept by the managing agent and sometimes people wanted to do searches to obtain those records to communicate directly with other people. Um, now under Section 263, you can give your consent specifically to have your email address as an address for service of notices and minutes and agendas. So that's changed in the new Act. But yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that perhaps people may not want divulged is their telephone number if they've given it to another owner with perhaps who they're in conflict with or that's anything I can see out of all the records that really perhaps could be an issue. Mm. The interesting thing about your example too, Rena, is that this happened in the context of a tender for building management services and there are commercial reasons why quotes should be kept 
secure and confidential, and I'm not saying from the lot owners, but certainly from the tendering building managers, in order to make sure that the process is as above board as possible. Now, I have been involved in advising a large community association who put a significant contract for building management services out to tender. And what they ended up doing, recognising that this was a bit of a sticky area, was that they engaged a probity advisor, so a professional advisor who deals with these kinds of deals and was able to conduct the process for them and ensure that there was the right level of confidentiality without excluding lot owners and other members of the community who were entitled to see that information. So if you're looking at a large contract that's worth quite a bit of money, it's probably worth having a chat to people like that to make sure that you as a committee are doing everything that you should be to ensure that process is above board and is not going to be challenged down the track and you're you're going to be able to deal with these issues that crop up about inspecting books and records and who's inspecting them. If they are inspecting them, should they be signing a confidentiality agreement? I've been involved in those kinds of situations before where we've had lot owners sign confidentiality agreements because they're looking at documents that if others came to know about them outside of the community would cause a problem. So that's another option. But yeah, interesting example. Yeah, I think in this case, it's just a building management and strata management tender. And I suppose, you know, it wasn't a huge contract, like I think the one that you're referring to, Amanda. So it was, and he just wanted to see like, what had been issued as a specification and what had come back and, and the rationale behind the committee's decision because, in a sense, he felt that he hadn't had enough information in order to make a decision based on the recommendation. So, yeah, it's good to know that you can engage probity people and other advisors or, or use confidentiality agreements. So, these are good things that, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be using in the future. Excellent. Now, my win for this week or the nice thing I want to report, I have been approached by the City of Sydney Council to let listeners know that the City of Sydney is sponsoring the Environmental and Engagement Award at the upcoming CHU Strata Community Awards. Now, this is an award that recognises strata schemes that have improved their environmental performance. And if you as a building do want to nominate for the awards, then nominations close on the 31st of May. So you'll have a little bit of time once this episode airs. And I will put a link in the show notes to where you need to go to apply for that award. So the building that won that award last year was Botany Cope, which was a 30-unit apartment building in Waterloo. And this is a building that was initially looking to install a huge uh, solar panel, I think. And then they worked out that they could actually get the same, if not more savings from simply upgrading their lighting, which they did. They reduced their energy use in common areas by 61%. They halved the cost of their energy bills. And they were a fabulous example of how an engaged and active executive committee can take advantage of these kinds of opportunities that are now available to improve and promote sustainability. And I know City of Sydney does have grants as well that buildings can apply for. Uh, I'll put the link to that information on City of Sydney's website in the show notes also. So check that out if you're into sustainability and you want to improve your strata building in that respect, or you want to apply to win the Environmental and Engagement Award at the upcoming Strata Community Awards. 
That's wonderful. It's funny, yeah, because City of Sydney have been doing a lot of grants over many years now with sustainability and, and other initiatives, so they should be congratulated on that. The other day I was listening to a TED Talk, Amanda, um, it was Elon Musk, it's called The Future We're Building and Boring, which is his new venture, the boring bit. But he's actually got this um, house where the roof is actually totally made out of solar panels. And what he said that the solar, the life of the solar panels as the roof, so that is the roof, will be greater than your normal tiled roof. So, isn't that, that clever? That was one of the initiatives. Yeah. So I thought that's amazing. Like, and he talked about other things such as having underground tunnels where you can have these cars that would go at 200 kilometers an hour. So you could just get to. Oh, it's just amazing. Sounds good. Watch the um, listen to the TED talk. Yeah, and watch send the me the video. link to that, and I'll put it in the show notes so our listeners can have a look at that too. Yeah. So, so one day we could be having solar panels as being your total roof on buildings and not having to um, have roof tiles anymore. So yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Lovely to chat to you as always, Rena. Anything else to add? No. All good. Thank <laughs> all you, Amanda. Good. Catch you next time. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 